we will be continuing in the series on the book of Acts this evening, and we're going to be in chapter 16, and um, the, the passage I'm going to preach through is going to start in verse 25. Um, and so, uh, as you're turning there, just, you know, kind of a big picture here, we know that we've been walking through, um, we've been walking through the book of Acts, we've kind of been seeing uh, as it's going along, this, this fulfillment of, of, the, of the statement of Acts 1-8, right? So it says, uh, Jesus tells his disciples, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So that's kind of what's happening as the book of Acts progresses. So does the gospel message progress to the ends of the earth. And so um, we see through that, you know, that Jesus' words are coming true, right? We, we see the working of the Holy Spirit. We see the power of the Holy Spirit there. We also see the faithful, obedient witness of Jesus' followers. Um, and so tonight, we're going to see a, a specific example of that. And, uh, and, and also, it's how it's reaching, beginning to reach a Gentile audience, right? So we're, we're breaching that gap there. And so in both ways, um, you know, Acts 1 is being fulfilled uh, geographically, but also ethnically. Um, and so... Um, tonight, Acts 16, um, Paul and Silas, as we're going to see, are actually uh, in, in Macedonia. And so they're kind of reaching out again, you know, going to the nations there. Um, and so that's the big picture. But then, like I said, tonight we're looking specifically at an example um, of Acts when it being fulfilled. Specifically at an example of, of a conversion and how Paul and Silas, Jesus' followers, are working that out. And so... Um, chapter 16, like I said, and actually I do want to start uh, in verse 23 instead of 25, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and read the full passage and then we'll, then we'll jump into it. <clears throat> verse 23, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we, all, we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police saying, Let, the, let those men go. And the jailer reported the words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Okay. So um, ex what exactly is going on here? We saw um, Paul and Silas are, are in jail, right? And I gave a couple verses previously 
uh, in verse 23 and 24. There's kind of some context going on there. Um, but um, we know, kind of backing up a little bit, we know they're in Macedonia, and, and they're actually there um, very, very intentionally. Earlier on in the chapter in verse 16, um, they're actually called by the Spirit to go there. And more so, not only were they called to go to Macedonia, but they were forbidden to go to other places. Uh, and so that's seen in, in, in uh, verses 6 through 10 in the same chapter. They were forbidden to go to one region, um, and then it said they weren't even allowed to speak the word in another, and, so, and then they received a vision to go to Macedonia. So they're here very intentionally by the call of the Spirit, and we see their submission to the Spirit there. And so as we're reading this and, and, and when walking through this book of the Acts of the Apostles, um, I hope to encourage you uh, in, in the acts of a Christian, right? And we see how Paul and Silas have responded and how they are acting uh, in, this, uh, in this passage and how we can do the same. And, and through that, we also see the submission of the Spirit, and we also see ultimately that the gospel cannot be hindered. Uh, it's pretty obvious in the text as well. So, um, so what's happening here? First, we see that Paul and Silas were unjustly sentenced to jail. Uh, more so than that, they were also beaten. Um, and, um, and it says in verse 24 that the jailer um, not only just, just put them in prison, right, but he put them in the inner prison. He put them in stocks, okay? Uh, and so not only are they unjustly condemned, but they're also unjustly jailed. They're in a pretty bad situation here. Um, and and the, right off the bat, we see an amazing thing. How do they respond? It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And automatically we see that their response is to sing glory to God. And this isn't, uh, this isn't you know, before they went to bed, right? This isn't, oh, let's, let's kind of get this in, check this off the list. About midnight, right? They're, they're, they're staying up all night. They're singing hymns to God. They're singing glory to God, as we see in verse 25. And this is probably exactly what we think it is. They're probably literally singing hymns. Uh, and it also says that they're singing and praying, right? So these are going hand in hand. I don't know if they're singing their prayers, um, but they're, they're singing songs. They're praying to God. This is a form of worship um, for them. And uh, um, what's really cool, and we didn't get to see this, but it's early on in the passage. I think, it's, I think it's not a stretch to say that they're probably praying and giving thanks to God for the conversion of Lydia, who we heard about at the end of this chapter but her conversion actually happens at the very beginning of the chapter 16. Uh, and there's also probably giving thanks for the salvation and the, and, the, and the exorcism of the slave girl that happened right before they got jailed, actually why they, they got jailed. Um, in addition to that, I think it's also, uh, we're, we're able to tell here that they were singing uh, out loud, but also genuinely and, and, and a very heartfelt form of worship. And we see that. Um, at the end of verse 25, it says, and the prisoners were listening to them, right? They didn't just hear them and wish that they would shut up, but they were listening to them. I think their prayers, their worship had an effect on these prisoners. And, uh, you know, I think this shows that these weren't just, just desperate men, you know, unjustly jailed, so they're crying out to some God, you know, they're, they're thinking that it's very unfair. No, I think that um, uh, even though Paul and Silas may have been worse off than their, their, their fellow prisoners, uh, they were praying and they were singing praise to the one true God. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's also a little bit more difficult when you think about it that Paul is probably reflecting back saying, this is where the Spirit told me to go, to go to, to Macedonia. This is where he wanted me in Philippi and Macedonia. And, uh, and you know, yeah, you know, had a couple of conversions, but I get jailed, right? But he's saying, no, I get jailed for the gospel, right? And so Paul and Silas are singing and they're praying. Um, and, uh, and so we can see that their, their submission to the Spirit is wholehearted. 
Um, even in this circumstance, um, as, as bad as it is, especially compared to where they just came, they just came from right there. They're singing uh, praise to God. But we also see, although there may not be an explicit gospel message here that we're aware of, uh, that the gospel message is not hindered, right? Even uh, as they're in a jail in the middle of the night, the prisoners know um, that, that you know, they're hearing this, this worship of, a, of one true God. Um, and so um, maybe this is a really obvious point to make, uh, but it's, it's nonetheless a reminder for us, I think, to have a, uh, have a strong, have a healthy prayer life, right? And to live a life of worship, um, especially in the hard places. So maybe it's not being beaten and, and wrongly thrown in jail, um, but um, perhaps there is a point in your life where you feel like you're, you're in the stocks in prison, right? And it is especially in that time um, that, uh, that, we, that we sing, we live a life of worship to God, and there's really no, um, I mean, I don't think there's really anything special about it. Just just sing hymns, right? Have, have a life of true worship and, and, and pray uh, to your God. Um, but we can also see that that our prayer, right, our worship has an effect on those around us. And I think that, um, you know, that's, that's sometimes easy, sorry, to, uh, to just kind of pass over. But many of us probably very piously pray before meals, especially when we're out in public, right? But, uh, or maybe, before, you know, you want to make sure when you're in the break room at lunch that you're, you know, you pray before your meal and everyone sees you. Um, but have you, I mean, I'm guilty of this. Have you ever asked a coworker to pray with you? Uh, have, you ever, have you ever said, will you join me as, as I pray over our meals? And, uh, and you pray for them as well. Um, have you ever, um, you know, I mean, at, at home, do you pray out loud for your kids to hear you so they can learn how to pray? Right? That's how the disciples learned how to pray. Uh, Jesus prayed for them. Um, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's singing hymns as we're, you know, as we're working outside in the garden, as we're even, that may be kind of weird, but we're walking through the grocery store, right? I mean, you pretty much always have a little, uh, you know, a little song going through your head or something like that. You know, but do you sing those hymns out loud so those around you can see that you're living a life of worship? And not just, not just worship, but worship to the one true, the faithful, the faithful God. Um, but I think this also goes into just perhaps what kind of music we listen to. Maybe, we're, maybe as we're in the car, maybe we carpool, maybe we drive around with other, uh, with other coworkers, or but especially with our family, right? We're listening to music that, that is leading us to, to a life of worship. Um, but, you know, I think no matter, you know, who hears, you know, your, your faithful prayers and worships, I think it's also important to know that it's encouraging to yourself, and uh, perhaps singing glory to God actually leads up, uh, leads up to, to my next point. Maybe it's a precursor to this next step here. And, uh, and so as we continue in verse 26, we see, uh, right, it says, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, and, 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 and the, <clears throat> the prison was completely shaken, right? The, jail, the doors pop open, the, you know, all the all their bonds were released. And uh, we kind of see a pretty you know, dramatic response by the jailer. Um, we've probably all heard this before, but this... Philippi is a Roman colony within Macedonia, and so this would be a Roman jail. That jailer is, is probably fearing the punishment that would happen if his prisoners were released, right? Um, but, um, but through all of that, right, not only do Paul and Silas sing glory to God in this bad circumstance, but we see that they speak salvation to sinners, right? They speak salvation to this sinner, this jailer. Um, and, you know, I think it's pretty obvious here that the earthquake was an act of God. You know, I didn't really check into this. Perhaps Philippi was a region where there's earthquakes happening all the time. 
Even so, I doubt that earthquakes specifically opened doors and broke, you know, chains and stuff like that. So I think this is an act of God. And, um, you know, maybe Paul and Silas weren't necessarily praying for that. Um, but we can definitely see that this is how God's acting. We also see perhaps it's an act of God in the way that the jailer uh, responds uh, to Paul and Silas. But um, even through that, you know, this is an, an obvious response would be, well, this is a means of escape. I'm not even supposed to be here, says Paul and Silas. I can get out now. I'm free. We can continue on with our mission. Uh, but instead of using this opportunity as a means of escape, right, they use it for a means um, of salvation, right, salvation for the jailer. And in this case, we see this is both a physical and a spiritual salvation. Um, Paul stops the jailer in his suicide attempt, and he, and he offers salvation through Jesus Christ um, for, uh, for his soul, right, for eternal life. And so he saves him in, in both ways. And so we see the response from the jailer, right? He's beginning to, he, he draws his sword, right? He's beginning to have this dramatic act, but, he, but, but Paul stops him and he comes and he falls down before them and says he's afraid. He says, he says sirs, what must I do to be saved? Um, I, again, I think this is probably, you know, further evidence that this earthquake was probably an act of God. I think he recognizes that, um, but um, even if not, perhaps it was him uh, hearing the songs, right? Hearing the hymns and the prayers that Paul and Silas uh, were doing, you know, throughout the night. And, um, and so because of that, I think this question is, you know, what must I do to be saved from the judgment of your God, right? He just heard about this God. He just felt the power of, of, of this God. And he says, what must I do to be saved from that? And... Um, you know, Paul and Silas, once again, they, they use this opportunity to, to speak salvation to the sinners. And this is where we see just an explicit, you know, offering of the gospel message. And so it says, uh, you know, in, in verse 30, he says, what must I do to be saved? And then 31, Paul and Silas, they respond, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And so, again, just a very explicit message. There's, 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 there's no other way, right? There's no gray area there. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Now, I don't think that that's all they said, right? The, the following verse says, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him. So there's maybe an explanation of this gospel, an explanation of who Jesus is, if you hadn't heard him already. Um, but, uh, but, right, the gospel starts with saying, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? And, uh, and the following scene is, is really, really cool. I think it's a beautiful picture of, of, of a salvation, right, and of a baptism of this jailer. He invites them to his house, okay, right after he, 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 he believes, right, he invites them to his house. They enjoy a meal together with him and his family. Um, Paul and Silas also witness to his family, okay, so this is just a, a wonderful opportunity for growth here through the gospel. Uh, and the jailer even washes their wounds. Uh, and so, you know, we see that in verse, uh, excuse me, we see that, in, uh, in verse 33, or, sorry, yes, 33. And it says, in the same hour, he took them that night, washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once. And so uh, within that verse, we're you know, talking about the jailer, uh, one of the early uh, church fathers. He says, he, says he, was, he, was, he washed and was washed. He washed them from their stripes and was himself washed from his sins. Uh, and so just... Just a really cool opportunity, a really cool picture there of how the gospel works in their lives. But furthermore, 
we see rejoicing, okay? The jailer and his family rejoice that they had believed in God, right? So we kind of just like start back over, back to point one. What happens, right? They rejoice. They're singing glory to God because they know the gospel. They have believed uh, in this gospel. And, uh, and, and now the jailer, I think he, now he knows, he understands why Paul and Silas, even in this situation, in the inner prison, right, in the stocks of this prison, just chained up, why they would begin to pray to their God, why they would begin to sing hymns to their God and living out uh, this worship. So um, we may not always get to see the immediate rejoicing of a new believer, you know, you know that we've shared the gospel to. Um, but, uh, you know, we may not always have the opportunity to literally save someone's life. Um, but we can still recognize who the lost are around us, especially as we were once sinners. We can see those who are sinners around us, and we can see that they are in desperate need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They may not pull a sword on themselves, but there is death waiting for them. And we have graciously been given the charge to share this good news about Jesus Christ. And so, you know, I don't think we have to fear that, well, we need to be in the perfect setting. We have to, we have to build up the perfect relationship um, or, you know, we, we can't really be afraid that perhaps nervousness to share the gospel will just immobilize us. Um, because as we've just seen, the prison is, is hardly a well thought out and, and planned meeting to share the gospel. And if the spirit, right, can break the stocks in the jail cell, I think the spirit can, can, can break you and, and allow you to move forward, maybe sometimes literally to talk out loud to someone and, and, and share the gospel uh, as you approach a, a lost friend or a family member. And so, um, so now we see the, the explicit sharing of the gospel, right? And we've, we've seen how these, how these Christians act around those who are lost. We've seen how they act in every situation of their lives, especially in that hard place. And so as we return to the narrative, we actually get kind of a, a weird ending to the story. It's, maybe it's kind of awkward. Maybe we don't really understand what's going on. Um, but as we, as we go back, um, I'm going to try and read it again real quick. We see in verse 35, starting there, And it says, But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. Do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates. They were afraid when they heard they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them. They took them out and asked them to leave the city. And so um, perhaps right, right off the bat there we see in verse 35, perhaps the magistrates realized how swift and unjust their, their, their punishment was. Um, maybe they thought that just that one night in jail, since they were already beaten, maybe they thought that was punishment enough uh, for what they had done. Um, but... Um, you know, maybe they talked to the accusers, uh, maybe the jailer even went them, maybe they heard or felt the earthquake, heard about what had happened, and so like, okay, let's get these guys out of here. Um, you know, whatever the reason, we might think, we step back and we say, okay, they've submitted to the Spirit, right, and, and they decided to stay the night so they could share the gospel now Paul and Silas can finally leave. This is, this is good news. Um, and, and Paul and Silas think the absolutely opposite idea. This is not good news, right? He says, we will not be really secretly. Uh, and so, so maybe what's going on here, um, you know, I, I think um, despite Paul being, being given a, a, a chance for a peaceful release, 
from this, from this bondage, it kind of seems like he, he takes a, a prideful, selfish stance. Like, I, you know, was unjustly put here, and I want, a, a, I want an apology, right? I want a public apology from these high officials who have put me here. Um, but I, I don't actually think that was Paul's motivation. I don't think that's what we see here. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure that Paul is not worried about his status as a Roman citizen, although he uses that plenty of times. We're going to see that near the end of the book of Acts, it uses that to spread the gospel to the, to the ends of the earth, right, uh, at that time. But, um, but I, don't think that's what, uh, I don't think that's what he's talking about. He's not worried for his own sake, but he wants to live honorably to the world for the sake of the gospel. Okay, so I've kind of given you some, some brief context to what's going on here. Uh, there, was, there was Lydia earlier on who was, uh, who was converted, uh, also her and her household, right? There's the, there's the slave girl who, it, it, it just says that the demon, the demon left her, um, but I think there's evidence in the text there that says that she also became a believer. And so what we have beginning here is, is the beginning of, of a church, right? Paul is planning a church, and we see that. We see evidence of that in verse 40, right at the end of our passage tonight. It says, they went out of the, uh, of the prison and visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed, right? And so I think what's happening this year is that Paul, once again, visits the brothers, visits these people who had just been converted, and he encourages them, which is the whole uh, background of, of Paul's second missionary journey, which is what we're on. He says to Barnabas, he says, let's go back to the churches that we planted, and let's encourage these brothers, right? So although this is a new church plant, he does the same thing. He wants to encourage, uh, encourage these new believers, and, uh, and I think that's what we see. Here's where we see that the gospel is, is taking priority in their life, right? Um, but so how do those two fit together? I think what's happening here is that Paul, as he just planted a church, right, and he, as he just, um, you know, shared the gospel with these new believers, and as they begin to live a, lo- a life, the Christian life, and as he's continuing on, he doesn't go back home after this. He actually keeps going through Macedonia. We also see here, not only has he planted the church in Philippi, which is letter to the Philippians, he's also going to plant the church in Thessalonica, okay? We also have his epistles to them as well. He's also going to plant a church in Berea, and then he's going to go move past Macedonia. He's going to keep going before he finally returns home. And so he has still a, a large journey ahead of him, and I think he wants to make sure that he has validity in himself as he goes to these places, that he doesn't give his opponents that we read about in these other epistles another opportunity to, to, try, and, to try and trash Paul, to try and say he's untrustworthy. This guy was in prison, uh, and, and then he just left. When do you even know if he was really released? Perhaps he's, in a, you know, he's an escaped convict or something like that, right? Uh, and I'm not saying, I think we've pretty obviously seen here tonight that you know, that the gospel message is, is not hindered, right? Even with the jailer, even with prisoners, the gospel message cannot be hindered. Um, and I think we've seen that literally and spiritually. Um, and so it's not that the Spirit could not use Paul through that, but I think it is that uh, he wants to have an opportunity to live uh, an upright life as, as a good citizen so that he can faithfully sh- uh, share the gospel uh, as he continues on both as he meets with the church that he just planted, and as he continues on um, throughout, uh, you know, throughout his, the rest of his missionary journey. And so, um, you know, once again, we see that Paul and Silas, right, they submit to the Spirit of God as they desire justice here on earth, just as we have a just God. And again, it's not a, a selfish response there, but they want justice on earth uh, so they can uphold, right, this, this view of God. They have a just 
God there. And, um, and, and even a, a proud town official, even the magistrate, right, cannot hinder the gospel from being spread. As they come, they, they publicly apologize to them and then allow them to go and, uh, and meet with Lydia before they, before they move on. Um, so on my last semester, uh, you know, Laura and I originally grew up in, in J-Town. We grew up in Louisville, grew up in this church. Moved away to Murray, right, go racers. And as we moved back last semester, um, to, so I could start at, at the seminary here, my very first day of classes, so I was excited, I was, I was nervous, I was, but I was ready to go. I was really excited to get there. And, um, and I'm, so I'm driving down campus, and I guess I was still used, maybe, to, to small-town Murray traffic, right? And uh, maybe I don't know what to do with so many cars on the road. Anyways, unfortunately, I cut off someone pretty bad as I, as I merged into, uh, as I merged into this lane, I got a very long horn honk behind me. And, um, and maybe it wasn't the first thing that I, that popped in my head, but very soon afterwards, I thought I just put my V Southern Baptist Theological Seminary parking sticker on my car, right? <laughs> I, like that was just put on there. And whether this guy noticed it or not, that's what's going through my head. It's like, man, you know, and how this guy thinks that Southern Seminary students are jerks, right? They don't know how to drive. And, and so, and so I, I just begin to kind of to, to, to be worried there. And, and I'm like, maybe what if there was another Southern guy that had been trying to, like, witness to this guy? And all of a sudden his, his you know, validity as a witness to Christ is just, like, thrashed, okay? Um, okay, and now this guy thinks that from here on he's never going uh, to have anything to do with the Southern Seminary. So um, not that I find my faith identity in, in the school that I go to. Obviously, we find that in Christ as we are Christians. Um, but, uh, but in the same way, I think we can see there that, um, that as we live a, a just life, a lawful life, you know, we don't cut anybody off and things like that, we have this opportunity to, to live an, an upright life and to uphold righteousness um, here on earth, even, even as it has been given to us from God and as from you know, from, uh, from town officials, if you will. Um, and so we have this opportunity to, to live a life of integrity um, to, before others so that we have an opportunity to, to faithfully and to rightly share the gospel. Um, and once again, I just want to point out, I don't think this is necessarily good values or even, or even morals, um, because we've seen that a lot of people may connect their, their Christian faith to just having good morals, right? But as we've seen, it's, it's Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, not just living a good life. So it's not necessarily having good morals that allows you to share the gospel. But I do think we still have this opportunity as we love the gospel, right? We can still live for justice. And so um, as we are faithful, obedient Christians submitting to the Spirit, right? And we're, we're, we're submitting to the Spirit and where he calls us. We're committing to the Spirit and who he calls us to. And also we submit to the Spirit as we've learned about our God, as we know who he is in our lives and how we live that out, right, in a just, you know, life of integrity. Um, and we also, as we share this gospel message that we know will not be hindered, which should be, which should be very, very encouraging to us, um, as we live this out, we know that we're able to, 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 to sing glory to God, right? And so that other people can hear us. We sing glory to God so that we are encouraged and we, we know we can pray to God in, in, in an attitude of thanksgiving. Uh, as we were able to do at our table tonight, there's just a, a prayer of, of thanksgiving and it was awesome, a praise, but also as we pray for others around us. We're also through that, right, we sing hymns to God and we pray so that we can be 
um, emboldened through that and encouraged to speak salvation to sinners. And we speak to those around us. And we do speak clearly that salvation to them. But also we want to make sure we live honorably to the world. And so we live this life of integrity and we live a just life so that we have an opportunity to share the gospel. And, uh, and I think that's what we've seen here. And so as we've walked through, we've seen how Paul and Silas have acted. And as we walk through the book of Acts, you know, we see these acts of the apostles and what they have done historically. We also see an example of the acts of a Christian, right? And how we should live out and how that gospel is centered in our lives as, as, as the acts of a Christian. But also how we do that in other areas and other aspects of our lives as well. Um, so <clears throat> just to avoid any awkwardness. I don't have a good transition to my ending, so that was just it, what I just said. Um, so now, now let us pray, let's finish, let's continue worshiping, right? Let's continue singing these hymns to God. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for the opportunity to bring your word uh, to, these, uh, to these hearers tonight. Father, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to preach the word and to, to further encourage uh, the believers that are here, and I hope, Father, that I've, that I've spoken the gospel and spoken your word clearly for those who, who maybe are not believers here tonight, Father, and that they are able to, to look upon uh, you as, as the Lord, as creator in their life, and also look upon your Son, Jesus Christ, as the atonement for their sins, Father. And so as we, as we, as we begin to wrap up this evening uh, of fellowship and wrap up this evening of singing hymns to God, let us leave this place and, and, and submit to your spirit as we live through the gospel and allow us to, to live honorably to those around us, Father. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your son. And uh, we pray all this in his powerful, saving name. Amen.